Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. Welcome to the Larry Kreider Leadership Podcast. Larry Kreider here with my special guest today from the state of Massachusetts, Lee DeMatos. Welcome. Thank you, Larry. It's great to be here. Now, you, you live in the town or near the town of, am I saying it right, Worcester, Massachusetts? Worcester. Worcester. Oh, I can't get it. It's like clam chowder. <laughs> or park the car, right? <laughs> park the car or clam chowder. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so glad you're with me today. You know, we've ministered together in Africa. you ministered all over the world. And uh, you and Teresa have been a great blessing to us and to so many people. And I want to hear your leadership story. You know, we've got people from 80-plus nations now that are checking us out, checking out this podcast. We're learning about leadership. What we try to do is tell the story behind the story. What we try to do is find the small things that we could change or wish we would have changed or learned to change that can make a massive difference in our lives and the lives of those we serve. So talk about, where, did you grow up in Worcester, Massachusetts? I did not. I grew up near the ocean in uh, Dartmouth, Massachusetts, okay. which is, was, is probably an hour and a half from Worcester, right on the coast. And you're like a first-generation Christian, right? I mean, you... I was the first-born-again first Christian in my family. In your family? Talk about that. The whole family. Really? Yeah. Talk about that. Uh, six aunts, um, aunts and uncles with 25 uh, first cousins. I was the first-born-again. How did that happen to you? I know that's a long story, uh, but not I want to hear I can, I can give you the abbreviated version. Um, grew up as a kind of a mainline uh, Portuguese Catholic kid, very devout to, with my parents, going to church for every every occasion the church had going on. Sure. And, um, and it, although it was a, a wonderful experience, it didn't set well in my heart when I came to those age the age where I could be challenged. Yeah. And so when you get to the age where you could be challenged with girls or with drinking or, you know, just doing the the unruly stuff that right. teenagers do trying to find their foothold in the on the planet, uh, I went as far away from God as I possibly could. Okay. And that continued on till I was in my late thirties. Wow. And so although I believed God was real, I was not letting him be the CEO of the Lee Correct. company. <laughs> and so married to Teresa, I had been in many relationships that had failed with children that were, you know, kind of left aside. And the, those relationships was so sad to think to be able to go back and fix all that. But with Teresa, my current wife, we were going to get divorced. Mm-hmm. And in the process of us splitting up, um, my wife surrendered her heart to Jesus. How did that happen? She had seen a relative that she had never met before, and he asked her two questions. When he, when he met her, he said, do you know Jesus, and do you put him first? Wow. And when she got in this crisis place in her life, which was our marriage, um, when she finished yelling at God about all the things that were wrong with marriage and relationships right. and all that, all she could hear, when she finally quieted herself, she could hear those two questions, do you know Jesus and do you put him first? Wow. 
And when she's, she answered the Lord honestly, she said, you know, I really don't think I know you and I definitely don't put you first. But if that's the answer, then I surrender to that. And at that moment, she wow. felt the hand of God enter in and heal her broken heart because I had, I had broken her heart. And um, over the next couple of weeks, this, uh, this relative that she had met who asked her those two questions contacted her back from the Midwest. Sure. He called her up and said, I can't get you off my mind. What's going on in your mm. life? She spilled the beans about what had going on and that she had surrendered her heart to Jesus. And he coached her. And the two of them prayed and fasted for me for a couple of weeks. Wow. Till I was uh, like brownies in the oven. Sure. Ready. They were done. They put the toothpick in. It came out <laughs> clean. It was done. And so that relative drove out from the Midwest to lead me to the Lord and discipled us for 10 days. It's a beautiful story. So what I saw was the love of Christ in my wife when I deserved it the least. Mm -hmm. And um, it was so that forgiveness through yeah. her, yeah. that forgiveness without strings. Yeah. yeah. So powerful. That's so powerful. Wow. Changed my life. Sure. The life of thousands of people that I've been able to touch. Yeah. So I'm forever grateful. Anyway, that's the that's wow. the abridged version. Oh, but uh, awesome. sorry, I'm teary-eyed through this. You are. It's wonderful. Wonderful. So you're in your late 30s when that happened, correct? Yep. Okay. And now in your B.C. days, before Christ days, were there times that you were involved in leadership? Because you, know, you have a leadership gift on your life, obviously. I and do. God gave you that when you were born. Uh, obviously, it all changes. It's much, much better after we come to Christ. But you, do you remember some leadership things God taught you or some things you were doing even though you didn't know it was God in leadership in those early days? I do. Um, encouragement. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was not a good communicator. Okay. But I was a good encourager. Mm. And so I would encourage the people either that were under me in a place of leadership or... Um, Working for me as employees, I owned several different businesses, so sure. I had it was easy for me to start a business, uh -huh. which I thought was a dysfunction. My siblings worked in the same business for years and years and years, and then retired. Yeah. And I started this company, sold that one, started this business, sure. moved that, moved from here to there. I didn't know it was, that was part a gift of, from God. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I thought it was a dysfunction, so I felt very out of place, especially in my own family. Yeah, but. Um, the, in leadership, uh, encouraging people was huge. And I didn't do a great job of giving instruction until after I gave my heart to Jesus. Mm -hmm. my, my ways of communication completely changed. And not overnight either. Right. It took some time. but Talk about that. I mean, encouragement obviously is a really important uh, trait for a leader to learn. encourage those that serve them and serve with them, serve around them. But talk about how that changed after you came to Christ. Um, how I gave instructions changed after I came to Christ. And I, could, I, I would have to really focus on looking for things to encourage people. I realized that encouragement was really food for right. the soul that mm -hmm. had people going. I remember before Christ, I was on a water ski team. Mm. And I drove this boat. with It was a 400-horsepower boat. And I, you could pull up to 30 people water skiing at one time with one wow. boat. And I remember pulling up to the dock before a competition, and there were 14 ballet skiers on the, on the dock. My wife was one of them. And I remember looking at them and just saying, 
girls, I'm just so proud of you, and I just love you. And they were just so touched that someone would recognize sure, them sure. And, and give them a compliment as a group. They, like, skied their best sure. right there. And this was before yeah. Christ. Yeah. And so, you know, afterwards, you know, after the anointing of the Lord comes on right. your life, you right. realize, I don't want to, I, I hate to say it this way, but you really get a lot of mileage out of encouragement. You really do. It really, yeah. it, it ignites people just mm. for the purpose of, of seeing them ignited for the mm. Lord. Beautiful. So you, encouragement is something you learned and then being specific about your encouragement when you encourage people, you learn that later. But I found that. I found often it's, it's great to give general encouragement and that's good, that's a God thing. Yeah. But we can be specific about you know, what would encourage them in. And the more specific we can be, I think the more it means to them and the more it propels them into their destiny. Right, I agree. It's just a blanket, hey, you're a great guy. Right. Well, that, that's fine. Right. But, hey, I really appreciate, you know, I, I saw you open the door for your wife. That's a real, yeah, that's, you're that's a real good. gentleman. Good. You're really showing Christ in your, in your marriage. Thanks for doing that. Yeah. It's different. Right. It's different than just a blanket compliment, you know. Yeah. Talk about what happened next. I mean, you guys both come to Christ. It's an amazing story how that happened. We both came to Christ. We were intensely discipled. For 10 days, uh, day one, the guy that led us to the Lord, his name is Dan. Dan. So he's Uncle Dan. And Uncle Dan sure. led us to the Lord. And that night uh, led me to the Lord. My wife had already surrendered herself. But that night that I gave my heart to Jesus, all the kids had gone to bed and we were yeah. going to read the Bible. Uncle Dan brought some Bibles with him. Sure. They were King James. And he said, my name's Daniel. We'll open to the book of Daniel. Oh, and so where I'm like, okay, great. We're all going to sit around the living room and read the Bible together. And he says, okay, Lee, you go first. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going first. Teresa, you go first. And I knew I had struggled. I had always struggled with reading all sure. my whole life. Sure. And um, I found out later that I was I was dyslexic. They just didn't have a they didn't have a name for that sure, in the sixties. Exactly. The nineteen sixties, there was no they didn't have a word for that. Right. And so I didn't realize that, but I just really had a hard time reading. And so my wife read out loud. She finished. I don't know if it was a paragraph or a, a chapter in the book of Daniel. I don't remember, but. She read out loud, and then Uncle Dan says, okay, it's your turn, Lee. I'm like, no, why don't you go next? I'm like pushing it <laughs> off. Maybe we'll finish, and I won't have to read right? because I'm embarrassed, you know? And sure. so he read his part, and then he says, okay, Lee, you go ahead. And I just started reading, and of course, King James has these and those sure. and just regular, you know, third grade English I could probably pull off, but I'm trying to read... I'm trying to read high school level stuff here. And I couldn't make it through a whole sentence reading out loud. I just stammered and, right. and, and whatnot. I was so embarrassed, I started crying. Mm. He says, what's the matter, bro? I said, I, I, I can't read. Mm. And he said, that's not too much for Jesus. And he puts his hand on me, says, I'm going to pray for you. He says, Jesus, I pray that you would heal whatever that is so that Lee could read your word because he really wants to. And we know you want him to. So in Jesus' name, you can read. And he says, go ahead, try it again. I was a little afraid. But sure. I opened the book and I could read. I just wow. rolled out of my mouth. So day one, I saw the power of God was real at the name of Jesus. Wow. On day three, we had prayed and fasted, which I thought was a crazy thing to do. But Uncle Dan said, we need to pray and fast for our, your son Jacob to be healed from Tourette's. So we did. We prayed and fasted, and that was a miracle that I could go three days and not eat anything. <laughs> and on the third day, he led our little 11-year-old Jacob to the Lord and 
prayed over him and he stopped twitching. He never twitched wow. again. He got immediately healed from Tourette's. And so it was right in, in our my born-again DNA mm-hmm. to fully trust the power of God at the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't you'd have to teach me doubt. <laughs> I, I don't know I don't know what doubt is because all I know as a believer is that the power of God is real at the name of Jesus, period. Wow. Well, I was going to ask you in those early days that you had anyone who's like a mentor to you. You already heard you, you have Danny. This Uncle Dan Uncle from Dan a truck a driver from the Midwest. Wow. He would call over the phone, you know, and it was just amazing. And then a couple of years, uh, maybe a year later, I met this guy. His name was Doc Egg, and I'm not even sure if he's still alive. Still alive. He was a tent preacher from the 1950s. I wow. met him at a conference and he and I just glued Velcro to each other. And um, he was from Golden, Mississippi. <laughs> and he he was a man of faith, like over-the-top faith. And uh, he was a real mentor to me in areas of faith mm-hmm. and in the Word and uh, mm-hmm. over the phone. Wow. At a time where, you know, we didn't have the long distance stuff and all right, that and right, cell phones and right. and so but over the phone and so those Uncle Dan and this uh and this brother Doc Agan, Wayne Agan was his name. Sure. And uh yeah, he was just a tremendous encouragement. Beautiful. To me, yeah. So those Beautiful. were just the early days oh, of, yeah. uh, of that. So, I mean, today you're you're an evangelist, you know, you pastor a church, uh you've ministered in nations throughout the world. Talk more about how that all happened. Like, how did you get involved in leadership in, in the church world? Because today you are. Right. Um, great question. Thinking back, um, because I was in leadership in the business world, if I saw a need, I would just see to it, whatever the need was. So if a pastor said, hey, I need, hey, can anybody mow the lawn? I'd be the first one to put my hand up. Mm-hmm. Or I need to fix this around the building. I'd be like, I'll help you out. Or whatever that was. And just before you know it, that comes with, hey, could you just be the grounds guy? So now I need volunteers for me. So that was just kind of a natural transition that that happened to um, for people to help. But when it came to sharing Christ, I believing that God's word was real. Sure. Every word of it was real. When I read the scripture and Jesus said, you know, if you're ashamed of me, mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to deny, if you deny me before man, I will deny you before my father. Mm. And I'm just going to say that really scared the, uh, <laughs> scared the doubt out of me. <laughs> and so I began to tell, I believed that it was my mandate to tell everybody about Jesus. Because of that scripture, sure. I did not want Jesus to deny me before the Lord. Of course, mm. I see that a little bit differently now. Sure, but at the time, as a young believer, I'm like, I have to tell everybody. So I did. I told everybody. Every, I owned an auto and marine repair center at the time. And people that came to my business, I would I would witness to everybody, share Christ with everybody. Anyone with a limp, a scratch, a scar, a cast, a sling, <laughs> gut prayer. I mean, I had more supernatural activity happening Beautiful. in a in a three a six bay garage than than we did at church. It was just off the chain. So that kind of started the expectation of God moving in ministry and being able to flow in an environment where the Mm. Holy Spirit was active. So the transition from doing that in a repair garage 
to doing in that into a sanctuary. It's like right. I had already been doing it for years. That's good. And in and small groups. So, Larry, it's, you may not know this, but when we came to, someone gave us a brochure to a, a church that was not a Dove church at the time. It was called Lighthouse Christian Center in western Massachusetts, a little town called Agawam. Okay. And someone gave us a brochure to go to that church. We were, Teresa and I had, were without a church at the time after 9-11. Okay. So it's 2001. And um, weird stuff happened during that time in the mm-hmm. church and whatnot. And so it was a, a not very long after that, someone gave us a brochure. It was Crossroads, matter of fact, it was called. Okay. They were changing the name to Lighthouse. And the first day we went there, they announced, they said, listen, we really need a covering. And we're thinking about contacting this Dove International really? to see if they could be our covering. And the pastor at the time was Gary Reif. Really? Who was part of the high school revival when you and Laverne were youth leaders in that's the That's right, right here in Lancaster County. Gary Reif. And so he said, that's I know amazing. the church that sent him out, who was Brian Simmons, the writer, yeah, the author well, of... Yeah, I sure. The Passion Translation. Uh, well, yeah, who was a pastor at Gateway at the time. So Gary came out and started Lighthouse Christian Center and... They needed some oversight, so they had, had they were just starting the engagement and communication process. And Larry, you were going to Brian's church. Yes, I did. I ministered there. You ministered there, mm-hmm. and it was the second week I was going to that church. And Gary Reif invited me to go with him, so I brought my minivan. We filled it up with people oh, that's and went down. And I heard you speak. And at the time, we came to Lighthouse. Yeah, having a home group at our house. We already sure. did. And and he talked about home groups and home group leaders. And I thought, this seems like a really special thing. And maybe I shouldn't be doing it until I'm at that level, whatever that special <laughs> thing was. So I told Pastor Gary at the time, Gary Reif, I said, Gary, you know, we, we have one of these groups that meets at our house. Maybe we should stop it. It seems like you have some qualifications for home group leaders. And I'm not there. I just want to be submissive to it. He says, no, don't stop it. Come here, this (laughs) guy, Larry. Come here, Larry Kreider. Keep your home group going. Maybe connect to one that we have going. Maybe you can pull the best of both worlds there. But don't stop what you're doing. So I went and heard you. And of all of it, I remember this story about laying hands on chairs. There was someone had a home group. And couldn't couldn't get anybody to come. And you encourage this person to prophesy over the empty chairs. That's true. And so I went home, and Teresa and I did that. All the people of our original home group stopped coming. Like, uh, <laughs> supernaturally, the house was empty. And I had taken that testimony that you gave, Larry, and we set up our chairs, and we prophesied over them. And within a month, every chair in our house had a person wow, in it. Wow, that's amazing. And in the meantime, Lighthouse got engaged with... Dove International right. and uh, DCFI at the time, right, right. and then uh, we went to the we went to the conference, the leadership conference up and coming, and we found our we found our family. We've been so our, blessed to have you in the family. Yeah, wow, our, our D, it was our DNA. Yeah. And along the way, we had moved. There were some transitions sure. in life. We moved to the Midwest, mm-hmm. and we couldn't connect with the Dove Church out there just geographically. Sure. And um, so we tried a few other churches. And it was really discouraging because wow. we just didn't really understand how they, how did they function and how did they flow? It just didn't make sense to mm. us. 
And so we came back to the East Coast. We came to Pennsylvania. I drove from Indiana to Pennsylvania to go to the East Coast Conference. And really? while I sat in the fireplace when Charlie Klein really? was the pastor, Steve Prokopchek was talking about DNA and family. And the Lord quickened in my heart. He said, you know, you're searching around for a church, but really, this is your family because they're your same DNA. Yeah. And every church must know what their DNA is. Every church needs to know who do they walk with, with that same DNA. And it's like the Old Testament, you know, the 12 tribes, they were all different. They're all the people of God, but then they had the tribes and the clans, and everyone needs to know where they fit. Even though we honor one another and work together in the whole body of Christ, we all need to know where are we connected. And you found your connection. That's I, amazing. We found our connection. We found our DNA. And so I just so appreciated the humility of the leadership, even being willing to write a, a book about the the difficult lessons right. you had to learn. Right. Through uh through trials. Yeah. It's I mean that's just such a candid uh, example of uh, humble leadership. Well, that's a key to leadership. And right. if we can mess up and, and God can heal us, well, you can mess up and God will heal you. So I think that's a real key to leadership that a lot, a lot of people really miss. But today, you're, I mean, you've been pastoring a church now. You, you guys, you and Teresa have been in different parts of the world. Like I said before, we were in Kenya together. Just love that time with you guys in Kenya. Yes. And you've been in different parts of the world. You've been ministering. How Tell us more about that journey. Tell us more about how that all happened. Because God was preparing you for the leadership that you're in right now, where you're recognized, you know, as a, a valid five-fold minister, as an evangelist in the body of Christ, not in the Dove family, but the body of Christ. Uh, talk to us about how that all happened. Um, I, it was always in my heart to ask, how, how do you reproduce yourself? I saw that in Christ when, you know, mm -hmm. when Jesus was ascended, he leaves these 11 guys right. staring at each other going, uh-oh, what now? Yeah. And they remember the last thing. This is Lee's Island version, of course. Sure. They re The last thing Jesus says was, go back and wait for the promise of the Father. Yeah. Wait for the promise. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And so these 11 guys have no idea what's coming next. And they go back and for 10 days they pray. But when I think about the ministry that Jesus had, he reproduced himself first in these 12 guys, then in 120. And that became multiplied by 3,000 witnesses right. that went out. They right. weren't they weren't all apostles, but they went out bringing some. They brought a deposit of Christ. And I I always thought of what does that mean for me and how does how is Christ going to be revealed through me mm -hmm. and how do I reproduce myself? And that was something that was just supernaturally imparted in me. So I used to ask questions. I asked Ron Meyer. This was sure. God, this was in the early 2000s. We were thinking about we were trying to get to Africa as missionaries. And I remember asking Ron Meyer, I said, Ron. How did you become an apostle? It's like, did you go to apostolic school or something? Or what? I didn't know. Sure. And he says it's really a been there, done that kind of ministry, and that didn't really make sense to me. Yeah. But he did give me the scripture that said, "A man's gift makes room for right. itself." When it's time for you to function and flow in a different gift or in a new area in the body of Christ, mm -hmm. that the Lord will open those doors for you supernaturally. Yeah. And so in, in my head, I always, I was as humble as the leadership is, I was intimidated mm. by the thought of all that. Mm -hmm. And as we became more 
Dove is such a relational family. That's right. why you can't really call it a a, a religion or right. a, a sect. It's a family of right. churches, a family of believers. And as, because we're relational, we can have lunch together and talk about right. real life and ministry and those things that wasn't intimidating in, anymore. And I really felt like I could ask questions. Mm-hmm. And I began to ask questions like, hey, when you travel, if you ever want someone to carry your bags or just be in the back room praying, mm-hmm. I would be happy to do that. And yeah, praise the Lord, you and Ron both were willing to do that. And I just was able to watch, mm-hmm. listen, and glean from from what you do. And it, those God began to open up those doors for us to bring oversight to people locally. Right. Pastors who didn't have anyone over them. They right. begin to they would come to our church. If their church service was a different day, right. they would come to our church just to be refreshed. Yeah. And begin to call me father. Yeah. And I'm like, oh that's a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> but in their in their culture, they they them calling you Papa Right. It's just a real term of endearment. Of course. And so at the words that Ron spoke began to come true. Beautiful. They begin to happen. And so yeah. really, we were just following the word as God's, as God made room for those mm. that gift to come forward. Mm. We started to oversee churches locally, just in right. our community. Right. And uh, talk to us about how the church you planted, how that started. Because out of that then came favor in your life where you started to oversee others and doing apostolic work in that way. But talk about how your church started. We had um, we had moved. <laughs> we were living in Indiana, and my we were about to buy a house. We had started a house church out there in a house church network sure. under Dove. Yep. And um, we were about to buy our own home out there. And the night before we closed, two days before we closed, my wife had a dream. And the Lord said... Don't do it. It's a trap. Wow. You, I'll still love you. You'll still be a believer, but you're going to be trapped in a place where you don't really want to be. Wow. I woke up the next morning. Teresa tells me the news. I was pretty upset because I had done all the work. Sure. To for all the for this deal to go through, and right. and so that night I had a dream, and the Lord said, "I don't want you to do it." The next day, my daughter called, who I rarely heard from back on the East Coast, and she had a dream that we had moved back wow. to, to the East Coast. So when we moved back to the East Coast, we ended up in Worcester. Uh-huh. After a couple of bounce arounds, we ended up in Worcester, and revival broke out in our community. Beautiful. And when that happened, I began. To, I was, at the time, going to another Dove church, right. which was about seven miles north of us. Mm-hmm. And the pastor said, as we were filling up a section of his church from our neighborhood, right. He pulled me aside and he said, bro, this is Dr. Joe Ford. Here's oh, yeah. his advice. Here, Here it comes. Well. Bro, God's doing something in your neighborhood. <laughs> you need to find a building. <laughs> I said, no. I said, I don't really think that's a good idea. You have a great building here. I'll tell you what, I'll throw them out of the lake onto the dock and you clean them. Yeah, right. That's what I said to him. That's an evangelist, you know. I'll bring them in, you clean them up. I'll just keep filling the net. Anyway, he said, no, God's doing something in your community. You just need to be obedient to this. Ask him where it is and find a building in your neighborhood. And there was an old bar there. So I went home. And I put my hands on the bar and I said, well, I claim this place yeah. in the name of Jesus for the glory of God. Now, this bar had been 
a bar slash nightclub for some 40 or 50 years. Before that, it was a, a community pub, so to speak. Sure. But it ended up being a cocaine drug dealer's bar. And uh, rough enough that people were, someone was murdered in there wow. in a drug deal. I mean, it was rough. Slot machines and ladies of the night on the second yeah. floor. I mean, yeah. it was a really, really rough place. And I laid hands on it and claimed it for God's glory. And I threw up all afternoon. Wow. It's like every demon in the place jumped on my back and I wow. literally vomited the whole hour. And I'm not, I don't get sick. Right. I vomited all afternoon after doing that. Anyway, six, six weeks later, this bar went bankrupt. That's amazing. We prayed for a month. So at this time, we have a small group meeting in our home, sure. uh, meeting in our community. They don't fit in our home anymore. Right. It went from, it went from two to four to seven to 12 to 22 in four yeah. weeks. Wow. A small group in our neighborhood to 40 within a couple of months. We have no place to meet. Joe Ford was right. Dr. Ford was right. You need a building. <laughs> so we prayed. We prayed for a month. And the Lord gave us favor. The owner of the property let us put a church there. And 13 years later, Indian Lake Church is still in the same place. I've been there. It's a great place. It's the only place I've ever gone in the world where you get on a boat come out of the pastor's house, get in a boat, and you go across the lake, and right there is the church building. It's amazing. It did it with you. It was great. <laughs> you know, a really uh, awesome part, too, is it's in a community. It's uh, like almost like a campground-type right, community. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so people's lives, are, are they're pretty open. Mm-hmm. They're pretty open there. And uh, the community was really like a, an argumentative community, uh, generations of grudges and that sure, kind of thing. Sure. And uh, it's not like that anymore. Beautiful. Since the church started, people's lives, their hearts began to yeah. change. It really impacted the whole community. Beautiful. But look, we're out of time. I can't believe this is so much fun. But I would love to do is have you come back. And I like, you have so much inside you about evangelism and helping the average person share their faith. And I just like to do the whole podcast on that. That'd be all right? That'd be great. Yeah, I'd like to do that. So any, any last minute words of wisdom for any young leaders or anyone aspiring to leadership, and then we'll close the podcast for today. Sounds great. Listen, if you're a young leader and um, you just feel God calling you in that area, find someone yeah. who's established in leadership. Good. To carry, their, carry their shoes, wash their car, Go to their barbecue, ask if you can help with anything. Do not give up till you can find someone who is willing to mentor you and pour into you. And when they talk, listen. That's so good. The words I know are no longer part of your vocabulary. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's Thank it. you, Lee. That's fantastic. And for everyone listening, if you want to know more about Lee and the ministry that God's given him, go to the show notes. All that will be on the show notes. You can get a hold of him. And uh, we're going to have you back and talk more about how to lead people to Christ. How does that work for every believer? What are some practical things God's showing you? And that's going to be a great blessing. So thanks for joining us for the Larry Credit Leadership Podcast. And we look forward to uh, being back with you again next week. And God bless you. Have an amazing week in God. Thanks, Larry. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com.